bet on yourself. I think that uh, every single person, whether you realize it or not, has had a million dollar idea or a fantastic idea. Um, the problem is that people feel apprehensive about quitting what's comfortable and their day to day to actually focus 100% on this idea. Everybody, this is Devin Miller here, and uh, here we're have another great episode today of the Inventive Journey. Um, for you, those of you that are new to the podcast, I'm Devin Miller. I'm the the host of the Inventive Journey. Um, I am a patent and trademark attorney, and founded uh, Miller IP Law, where we help startups and uh, small businesses with their patents and trademarks to help protect and grow their business. Also, a serial entrepreneur, so loved uh, working with and talking with uh, other startups. So today, we on the uh, on the ep- on the podcast, we have a great guest, which is Rachel, and she'll tell you a little bit about herself um, as far as starting uh, her business now. And uh, she was uh, lives in Silicon Valley, but never saw, thought of herself as uh, doing a startup or or getting in that realm. So we'll have a great episode, and uh, welcome, Rachel. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Well, we're excited to have you on. So why don't you go ahead and uh, just we'll jump in and why don't you tell the uh, the listenership and the viewership a little bit about yourself and your journey and how you started out. Sure. Yeah. So like you mentioned, I never really imagined right in college or right after college uh, being an entrepreneur or owning my own business. I didn't even know that that was really an option in my realm of reality. I thought, well, there are only a few things you can do, like doctor, lawyer, business teacher, engineer. And I was going to go into business. So I studied economics and math, uh, went into finance, sort of like everyone else. Uh, was so in- we got to, ju- we got to, I know we just barely got started, but we got to, ju- so Silicon Valley is always known for the startup and it's almost the hub <laughs> of startup, so to speak. And then you would have, you know, and I don't watch it much, but I, I don't, I'll have a whole bunch of friends. So you have the Silicon Valley TV show. It's about, you know, startups and you know, that's where you had an apple and you had all the, so how did you, with all of that going on, just, Never even thought I'd to do a startup. I just always, yeah. it probably, it, it seems like you, you should have had at least that exposure to it. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think in two, maybe, maybe it was just living in a bubble, uh, going to Santa Clara University, and they had like really specific uh, economic or academic tracks for you. But I think it was more along the lines, you know, in, in 2006, when I started college, I don't think uh, like, starting your own company wasn't like the hot buzz, right? When people were going to college, I think they, they would work for these big tech companies like mm. Apple or Google or, you know, um, Facebook a little bit at the time, but I, you know, they would work as an employee there. I don't think there was this buzz and overall excitement around starting your own company and startups at that time weren't really hiring people right out of college. I mean, I think now it's a lot more common but back mm. then, I mean, that was almost like 14 years ago, which is crazy. <laughs> um, <laughs> now it's 2020. Uh, they, they, um, you know, it was a lot more common for people to graduate and then work at a larger institution or, you know, go into investment banking or the big four for accounting. And if you were going to work for a tech company, it was an engineer or you're working in the finance department. So I think it was like, these are just big powerhouses, but it never really dawned on me to like, start my own venture but you know that that could just be my own naivety and like the way that I kind of operated at that point was a little bit more sheltered so I can't really give you a good explanation but that, that was a really good question 
No, I just thought it was interesting because that whenever anybody thinks of like the startup hub of the world, hopefully it's you, Todd. You know, we got uh, we got yeah. some <laughs> but you, you know, ask most people where do all the startups go, and it's always the California, at least on the technology side. So thought that was it. So didn't want to derail it too much, but thought that was an interesting in, or interesting point. So um, so you went into asset management, so we can kind of uh, keep going along your journey and, and tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Yeah. So I started out at a firm, a small boutique firm in the city. It was one of those where you, you know, you're working a hundred plus hours a week, but you're learning a ton. So that was great. Um, and I, you know, during that time, I realized that the huge value that was being generated for all of these clients um, in their portfolio was really from the, you know, these entrepreneurs and operated geniuses that were starting companies, growing them to something meaningful and then having some type of high value exit, whether it was an, an IPO or an acquisition or something, I think it really dawned on me when I uh, was looking at a transaction with Instagram. So there was a, a firm that invested in Instagram just days before they were acquired from Facebook. And I thought, wow, this is incredible. All these people are realizing a ton of value, but it's really the founders of Instagram that built this fantastic platform. And now it's so widely used in terms of the world of social media. So I figured, wow, that, that's where I want to be is like, that's the end goal for me. This is where like all the value, you know, kind of starts and, and you can really be disruptive in that way. So, um, you know, traditionally in the finance path, what you do is you go on to private equity, venture capitalism or equities and trading. And so mm -hmm. I was going to interview for um, private equity and VC firms as an associate. And so when I would go in there, I actually sort of, you know, a little bit manipulated the situation. I would go in there and I would interview, I would do the interview for the associate role, but then midway through, I would start to pitch them on my idea. Like, <laughs> oh, wait, so are you, are you here for, an, for the associate role or are, do, are you trying to pitch us on your product? I was like, oh, well, both, uh, you know, I, if, if either is an option, I'll, I'll take either one of those paths. And, um, the feedback that I got from all of these places was really valuable and actually kind of changed my trajectory. And they basically said to me, you know, we love okay. the spirit. But yeah. we got to, we got to stop there because you, you blew past. That's an, I don't, I, at least it's the first time I've heard of the idea. Let's go for a job interview, but really the job interview is to see, I got some ideas I'd like to pitch you. So yeah. first Toast of all, kudos course. to you because I think sure. that's a great way to get in front of them, which probably is a lot harder if you were just trying to do, um, to try and pitch your idea because they're probably a little bit more closed door. So how did they, was it well received? Did they like that? Did they say, oh, that's an innovative way to get in front of us? Or they say that, you know, almost a bait and switch type of a thing. No, no, they, they thought it was brilliant. They, I think that was like when the interview was going down a particular path and then everyone's like, well, what do you want to do in five years? Where do you see for yourself? And I was like, actually, you know, Jim, <laughs> Joe, great question. Like, let me just pull out this pitch deck <laughs> that I, I happen to have with me. And they're like, Oh, that's hilarious. They, they thought it was really funny and inspiring. And they actually loved the energy that I brought to the, mm -hmm. to the meeting because they could tell that I was super passionate about it. Right. It's like the first questions are all kind of the same. Like walk me through a discounted cash flow. explain to the, you know what I mean? They're like pretty mechanical. And then you usually have some kind of more technical test and then it's a kind of a conversation. So during the conversation, and I kind of switched the conversation like, hey, look at my pitch deck. They they loved it. I think so like, you know, you're kind of just waiting for that. What do you want to yeah. do with your life or where do you see you in five years or, you know, what what's your career aspect? You're like, great question. And then you just completely jump over to where yeah. you want. 
I don't even know how I had the audacity to do that at that point in my life. Um, it just like sort of came to me. I was like, I'm going to use this as an opportunity to pitch my idea because I thought, what's the worst that can happen, right? They like, they say, no, we can't. And I, you're right. I wouldn't have been able to, um, to get in front of them otherwise. You know, I was a single founder. I had no tech skills. I wasn't an engineer. My idea was okay. And I also had no business experience. Like, I don't even think that the like, entry admin who's reviewing applications would have even looked at that you know at my resume for more than two seconds like so it it, it was a creative way creative in my mind uh, to get in front of these people. <laughs> oh i yeah. give me kudos to it i'll have to, I'll have to, <laughs> we'll have to use that as a, a way for people to get in front of venture, vcs and angels so that's awesome yeah so before we we'll jump into more of a journey the last question i know it's a bit of a rabbit hole so what was what, what was your favorite idea that you pitched in the middle of an interview Sure. Yeah. So um, my, the idea that I came to all of the VCs with was a an application called Weddily. Uh, it's a wedding planning application. And this was like before Zola, right? Like this was before a lot of these uh, current wedding planning and event planning applications really took off. And I kind of had this platform. I was like, everyone can collaborate. You can plan together. And you'll also, it'll be a platform to connect vendors with people um so it's kind of like thumbtack meets zola meets a bunch of other platforms mm. like syndicated in one plus you know maybe mint.com and a budget element and they're like there's a lot going on here and you don't know how to program so i love the idea in theory but this is probably not going to work for you but that was my favorite idea all right. Well, I don't, I don't think it's a good idea. Apparently, others thought it was a good idea because you've had the others that have come along since and done some yeah. of the similar things. So, so you got that feedback, and that, that almost takes you to the next part of your journey, right? You got the feedback. Hey, thanks for applying. We'll think about it. But and also thanks for pitching. But then you got the feedback of you know I need you need a bit more technical background or technical understanding or ability to to be able to manage some of that. So then, what did you do with that feedback? Yeah, I thought, okay, well, I'm going to do just that because if I come back here in five years, I want to be able to say I did what you said and what you requested. So um, I went to work at Salesforce, um, which was like a really, you know, really great big tech company in Silicon Valley. Um, and at the time was a little bit earlier on in their journey. So now I think it's like 75,000 people. Back then it was only, you know, 5,000 people when I was working there. I worked in their finance and strategy department. It was a great opportunity. I um, was able to work closely with the two CFOs who were there at the my time there um, and kind of saw how the company ran at a 50,000 foot level, right? Like helped with setting guidance, um, earnings reports, you know, what was working well operationally, where were we inefficient? What could we do differently? How could we budget to really hit our financial goals? Kind of everything at a really top level view. But um, I realized I still didn't have any technical experience. So, um, you know, working at salesforce.com and seeing how low customer churn is, it kind of inspired me to learn how to build programs on the force.com application because it felt it's such a sticky product. So then I learned Apex JavaScript, um, Python and SQL because I wanted to learn how to pull data from the system and analyze it as well. Um, and then, you know, salesforce.com for their employees, they offer admin and developer classes. So you can take those for free, um, you know, pending you can work out a time with your boss to actually take a, take a break from work and, and go to the classes. So I started doing that um, and really loved it. I really liked um, programming and building custom applications and automating processes. That was super interesting to me. Um, and then what happened was, um, 
you know, I started to answer questions just within my network. People would call me and say, Hey, you work at Salesforce. I started at this company, you know, there's 20 of us, super small. We're trying to figure out how to automatically route leads. Do you know how to do that? And I'd say, Oh yeah, we, I learned that yesterday in class. I was like, I literally just learned how to do this, but let me just try for free uh, to, to, to help you out and see what we can automate. Um, and I started doing that just sort of in my spare time, like nights and weekends. Right. Um, and at the same time, my colleague and co-founder Greg Daly was working at a company called AdRoll and he was building out the business intelligence group. So he was working with their database you know, analyzing large sets of data and figuring out really how to strategically invest in different parts of the business based on data. And so he would be answering the same questions for his network. Like, hey, you know, we, I, you know, we just got a new round of funding and my CEO wants to know how much we're going to need for sales versus marketing and why. I don't know how to do that. Like, can you help us? And so he was doing the same thing. And then we kind of came together and we're like, we should probably charge for this. And, um, you know, it took us a while to really quit our full-time jobs, um, which I think was a mistake. I think we should have done it sooner, but we eventually did. And that's how we founded Claris Designs, which is a sales and marketing consulting company, uh, which is what I currently do today. So um, we started out there. We, we grew our client base pretty big. We were doing uh, kind of like a range of projects, building custom applications for them, doing data and analysis. And then I went to work full-time for um, a company called Snowflake. Uh, so they had a great opportunity to work, you know, in-house and really get exposure to a fast-growing company. What I realized about Claris is that it was fantastic, but I really wanted to see how these solutions that we were giving to companies would actually evolve and mature over time. Because as a consultant, you kind of, you parachute in and then you hop right out and you don't really get to see how they evolve. So um, yeah, I had a great opportunity. Someone in my network said, listen, there's this great company. It has a great product. Uh, but you know, at this point in time, we don't have that many people thinking about how to build the business from an operational perspective. Like it's the perfect fit for you. And if you really want to see high growth in a tech company, I promise you like this thing is about to take off. So in, you know, November, October, 2017, I, I started there, started in sales ops with the, uh, one other analyst and the VP at the time we grew the, it was, you know, 30, about 30 account executives and yeah, only three people on sales ops. And then we grew the team to over 40 people in sales ops at one point, 22 or 23 people reported to me. And then we went from 30 AEs to, you know, 400 AEs in a really short amount of time, like about two years. So, um, and then I recently, so, but I'm going to, before you go jump on the next point, I'm going to dive in just a little bit deeper. So on that, so you had started uh, Claris Designs and then jump back over to the startup and what, what was the decision? What made you, I, I, I don't, you know, maybe share a bit of the time, but you know, you have what you decided just to jump out, start on your own, do your consulting. And then you have the startup that you're, you know, that you're or somebody else's startup. And what made you decide to go and join their startup as opposed to keep pushing things? Or were you trying to juggle both at the same time? Or how did that work as far as, you know, you got one thing that you wanted to start. You also want to be involved with other startups and, and, and see for yeah. how they implement things. So tell a little bit more about that. Yeah, that's a good question. So I think for, for me, I hadn't really worked at a fast growing startup from like, you know, zero to 100 before. I'd worked at Salesforce, which was already a, you know, 
billion dollar plus in revenue company um, and saw how something that's established in public works, uh, but I didn't actually have the experience myself on, okay, we are at, you know, 10 million in revenue, we want to get to 100 million or, you know, five to 20 or I hadn't actually lived that experience myself. And I was consulting companies on, on how to do that for them. And I realized like, gosh, I'm missing something in my own background and my own skill set that will really help take Claris eventually to the next level. So for me, I figured, you know, Claris is only going to reach a certain uh, threshold given the experience that Greg and I have. And I think this was an opportunity for me to add more tools to my belt, so to speak, um, and get really good experience that I knew in the long run for Claris would be much more beneficial for the business. So it's more of like a long-term play. Um, I figured, you know, Greg and then the other people that we hired were going to be able to run the business while I wasn't there. Um, and we'd set it up so it was like pretty efficient. And I knew that these were skills that like I mentioned in the long run would be the, the best for the business. And then for like my, uh, my personal development and overall career trajectory. Oh, cool. So if I were to hit almost a common theme, it's kind of as you progressed. So when you went originally went to the VCs, they said you need a more of a tech background or you need to understand the tech better. So then you went and got the tech and then you started your startup and said, okay, now I need this skill set they don't have of being able to see how they grow it, how they do operations, how they do the full implementation, go from 5 million to a hundred million or whatever that would be. So you went out and got that kind of that, uh, that skill set as well. So it's kind of, as you go along, figuring out what you don't know or the skill sets that you're going to need and then figuring out how to acquire those skills. Yes, that's exactly right. I think that that has been my um, MO for the past, you know, like 10 years that I've been working in this field. So that, yeah, that was, that's really what guides me. And I think like, as I continue to, to grow and expand, it's like, how do you continue to get these skills efficiently or, you know, hire for your gaps and your weaknesses and really bring on people who can help, you know, support you from a, from a personnel perspective. But yeah, that, that's a correct summary. And, I, and I've been, I, I'd say this, I, and I've done some of the same thing with my career. And the, I always joke is that, you know, attorneys may give great legal advice and they give horrible business advice. Because <laughs> they, get the, they get the in and outs of legal and yet they very seldom, and I, I guess I call myself an exception, but most of the time attorneys have never run a business. They've never been part of a startup. They've never seen how you make payroll or how you budget for IP or patents or trademarks or anything else. And so you always get great legal advice and they say, well, why don't you go and spend $10,000 to do all this IP work? And they're saying, because we're a startup and we only have $20,000 to get everything launched and we can't put half of our budget and I, you know, and so it's, it's one of those. And so I, I kind of get that same idea of, that's why it's been interesting is I've done both, you know, I do the legal side and help others, but I've done my, a few of my own startups, founded them, continue to run them and do that. You get a much different perspective and it gives you a ability to give people a lot better advice, to give them a lot better feedback and to make decisions rather than just having one silo thing to say, now I get where you're at. I get where you, how you guys have done it. And so yeah. I think that's a, it's an interesting perspective. And I one that I think too often we get so specialized and specialized is great but we miss out on skill sets that would also help us to be better. Yeah, I agree. I think the lived experience of going through that hyper growth at Snowflake is one that you can't just study, right? Um, academically and you, you have like living it and actually being there and having conversations with the, 
the current CRO and, you know, my VP at the time and, and, and the CEO and like, okay, we're going to hire these people. Now, where do we put them? Okay. Now this is our goal. What do we do? Like, it's just stuff I couldn't have even really imagined having to think through on the fly. It was like the best learning experience for me. Like it was such a great, great experience. So yeah, I'm really fortunate for that time. <laughs> okay. So now having covered all that, we'll get to where you're actually at today. So tell us just a little bit about what you're doing today. And so you went and worked for Snowflake and if I, if I remember based on our conversation, you're now no longer with them. You, you're now back to doing your own thing. So yes. tell us a little bit about what you're doing now. Sure. Yeah. So I'm back to running Claris full time as a couple months ago, which is great. So, um, after having that fantastic experience at Snowflake, you know, I really felt confident, like, okay, now I want to go back to running this business that I have and really growing it to, to a level that wouldn't have been possible before. So um, Claris Designs, we have uh, two main product offerings. We do sales and marketing uh, operations and analytics consulting. So how do you set up your processes to get the right data that you need? And then how do you analyze that data to make the best decision for the business? Um, and then we also have an outsourcing division. So we help offload a lot of the manual day-to-day -day entry, day-to-day uh, -day data entry that you know most people don't necessarily want to spend time doing to free them up to focus on other high-value activities or tasks. Um, and we um, hire and employ you know over 70 people in the Philippines that work on these tasks. And it's, it's a quite a large part of the business. So I never would have imagined that being such a large part of our business. So that's really cool to see how how well um, we've grown there. And then the third piece is we're developing our own technology. So we're looking to build an application on the salesforce.com platform and automate a lot of the things that we do as consultants when we come in and assess a, a startup's you know, current CRM system or environment on, on their processes. So that's what I'm doing now. I think my biggest goal is to grow our outsourcing revenue. Uh, to a certain threshold and then develop our product so we can, you know, launch at the end of this year. That's our, that's our goal. That's how I'm spending my time. That's, that sounds <laughs> like a great way to spend your time. Yeah. So now I'm going to, I'm going to ask one question that I was dying to, or, or I was interested to know, and I'm sure the audience will be, or find it interesting and dying to know. So you now have done your own, you're, you're now in your own startup. You've been doing it for a bit of time. Originally, or way back when we touched a little bit earlier, you pitched in front of VCs and angels and that. Did you ever go back to them and say, now I've got my tech skills, now I've actually done this, and now invest in the new, in the new startup? Or did you, by that time, you already passed it and you already had the ability to start it without needing to go to angel or, or, angel or, invent, or venture? Yeah, Claris has um, been a really lucky and fortunate situation. We've never had to take outside funding. Um, we've bootstrapped 100%. Uh, it's more the nature of our business model. With consulting, You, if you can find engagements in business, you make money from the beginning. Uh, yeah, there were definitely weeks and months in the early years where I didn't take a paycheck and I was eating ramen uh, for every meal. So that was a little bit challenging. But um, I think if you know, Greg and I were to ever build Weddily, like I was talking about the original idea that we pitched, I would probably go back to those same people um, and say, hey, listen, do you remember this idea? I, I tweaked it a little bit. I still think it's viable. Um, we need, you know, like we want to pitch you on investing. So hopefully that's an option that I have in my back pocket. But yeah, for Claris, we've never had to take outside funding, which is really fortunate. Cool. Well, no, that's, that's great to know. Okay. I always have my two last questions. So a lot question before my two last questions. 
will you ever go back and actually do the uh, the wedding uh, app or wedding app or wedding startup? Is that you always there? Because I always look at and I have some companies that I always saw will be a great idea, and I still think they are. And I always say someday I'll go back to them. Someday I still want to do that, and it'll be great. And other times I, I look back and say that was a really dumb idea. I don't know why I spent so much time and effort on it. And it would have never worked. But now knowing now what I know today versus back then, so kind of where did that uh, where did that startup end up, or will you ever go, uh, see yourself going back to it? I think um, potentially, yes. I think that um, maybe in a couple years, and I think I'll probably tweak the idea. It won't be the exact same one, but I would, after we build our product with Claris, I think I'll have a lot more understanding, like the skills that we're talking about on what that actually entails, going from zero to something and developing it with an engineering team, working with product, working with clients, uh, getting customer feedback, like that whole experience and journey, I'm not as well versed in yet. I think once we launch the product, depending on how it goes, it'll be successful or a huge flop, but you'll learn either way. Um, I think I'll have much more of a foundation to then go back to that idea and build something. So I want to say there's like an 80% chance I do it, but yeah, I don't know for sure. But my, yeah, my hope is that yes, we do. We do something similar to it. All right. Yeah. Right. Well, that was a fun, fun to walk through your journey. And as we kind of wind down the, uh, the podcast for this episode, I always have the two questions I ask at the end. And so I'll ask you as well. So the first question is, is what was the worst business decision you ever made? Right. Okay. Worst. Gosh. So I failed a lot. Um, I think that's the best way for me to learn is to just continuously make mistakes and then bounce back from them. Um, but I think that the, the worst decision, business decision I ever made was um, around hiring. I would say that um, for a business, your number one asset are, is your personnel, are the employees that you bring on board, especially in the early phases of a business. They become basically like your family because um, you're working with these people around the clock. I mean, starting a business isn't easy. It requires a lot of late nights. And I think there were times when we were desperate to get work done um, and we hadn't put effort and thought into recruiting and building a pipeline of candidates and building a training program so that when people were brought on, they had an, an effective environment to learn and grow within. So kind of just like brought on people that we thought could fill a gap um, and it didn't work out very well. So I think like really making sure that you are putting a lot of time into building a pipeline of people and interviewing those people, making sure that it's a good fit for you just as it is for them. It's a two-way street. Um, and then really investing in those people when they're there and making sure that they grow and develop into the person that you know that they can be, um, taking like such a serious approach and investing in that, just like you would growing your revenue or hitting your targets is something that I didn't do in the beginning that was horrible. And now I've completely changed my perspective on it. And I, I'm in agreement. And that's when I think, I think no matter how great you think you're going to be at hiring, it's always a hard one. I mean, yeah. it's kind of, in a, as a startup or, you know, if you're an entrepreneur or you're in the startup and that, you always think that everybody's going to work as hard as you will. They'll do as, do as great yeah. of a job. And it, it's not, you know, and it's a much different thing when you're actually running the, the business and that to say, well, no, not everybody is in this and they'll work 20 hours, you know, or a 20 hour day and get things done and that because they're in it, they're, you know, while they'll do a good job or they may do a good job, they, you know, they got a wife, they got a family, they got kids and they're in it for the job and the paycheck and they want to do a good job, but it's a much different perspective. And it's always kind of interesting to learn on that, particularly on hiring is to 
how you find those people that you you know that will do the good job, and then also learning a bit yourself as to what is a realistic expectation. Okay, second question um, is if you're getting someone that wanted to get into startups, maybe do a small business and get things going, um, what advice would you give them? What would be your number one piece of advice? Right. So um, that's a good question. I would say uh, bet on yourself. I think that uh, every single person, whether you realize it or not, has had a million dollar idea or a fantastic idea. Um, the problem is that people feel apprehensive about quitting what's comfortable and their day-to-day -to, -day to actually focus 100% on this idea. Um, for me personally, with Claris, I would say that things were sort of petering along while I was trying to balance both at Salesforce and at Claris, and then they just skyrocketed once I could focus all of my attention on that one thing. And it's scary, um, but you know, try to try to take that risk and really bet on yourself because I promise you, no matter what happens, it will be a fantastic learning experience. Either you're going to do really well, in which case that's the best case, you know, that's a, a wonderful case scenario, or you're going to fail, but you're going to learn so much. So really bet on yourself, believe in yourself and take that risk because that's really where I think, um, you know, great personal growth and business ideas really developed. All right. Well, those are, I think those are both learn or learn how to hire and um, avoid that mistake. And also um, betting on yourself and uh, making that leap and, and having confidence because I agree a lot of people have great ideas and it's usually the difference between execution, and actually doing the idea versus always thinking, Oh, I should have done that. So great right. pieces of advice. Thank, well, you. thank you again for coming on. Um, as we wrap up, how do people, if they want to either get your, use your services or reach out or hear more about you or make, or make connections, any of the above, um, what's the best way for them to connect up with you? Oh, wonderful. Yeah. So if you go to our website, which is www.clarisdesigns.com, you can learn all about us. You can hear the background on all the founders. And then there's also a contact us form and we'll respond to that within at least 24 hours if you want to learn more or you know, reach out to one of us individually. All right, great. Well, we will certainly make sure to direct everybody your way. So good luck with your ongoing journey. Um, for everybody else that's uh, listening, if you uh, if you want to tell, come on and tell your journey on the uh, on the podcast. You can just go to Inventive Journey and uh, apply to be on the the podcast. And for those of you that may need help along your journey with along your journey with uh, patents and trademarks, um, feel free to reach out to us. We're always here to help and to uh, make sure that uh, we can be there along your journey to make sure it's a successful one. So thank you again, Rachel, for coming on. It's been a pleasure. I always want to talk more and have more things to hit on than we ever have time, but it's been fun to hear your journey. And it will be, uh, hopefully we can have you on again sometime. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. Okay. Thank you.